wealth is not something that we we typically see. We see riches and fancy cars and money flying everywhere and all this stuff, but you don't see wealth because wealth is is hidden. And I think people want to get rich, but they don't quite know how to stay rich or stay wealthy. Um, and mm. I love this book uh, called The Psychology of Money where uh, by Morgan Housel. And he says like some like getting rich is one thing, but then staying rich is this combination of of frugality and paranoia that it's going to go away at any point. And I love what you just said before about like you like have this thing where you're like, okay, like I'm going to hoard it, like I'm going to hold it. And and then there's the overcoming the part of, okay, I've got all this now. Now I want to spend it. Right. And I think Uh that's the part that that we really that needs to be looked at and, and realize like that money that's sitting in your account is earmarked or tagged for something. Um, and whether that's something is just saving for the future or it's taxes or it's a new, uh, roof or whatever that, that money that you have sitting in that big pot doesn't need to just be spent. And that was a hard thing for me was breaking that. Welcome to the Light and Dark Photography Podcast, where you can build your business, grow your community, and have fun doing it. I am your host, John Mansfield. Every week, we bring you real conversations with photographers and entrepreneurs to discover ways that you can take your business to the next level and serve your clients well. We record these live in our Facebook community so you can be part of the conversation. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of whiskey and get ready for today's episode. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Light and Dark Photography Podcast. I'm excited for you to be here. I'm excited that you pressed play on this episode, um, especially because this is a topic that is not talked about enough in the photography world uh, and really just uh, in general. That is the topic of money. Today, I have Dan Moyer as my guest on the show. He is a wedding photographer based in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, He also hosts his own podcast, uh, the Focused Photographers Podcast. And today, today we are talking about how you can identify toxic money relationships and how you can end yours today. Like I said earlier, money is a topic that not everyone is comfortable speaking about, but it is so important to understand your relationship with money and how you can move forward with it and making it a better relationship. Dan hits on some amazing points uh, that are very eye-opening, and I think you're going to get a lot from this conversation. So let's go ahead and get into it. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm feeling good, man. Uh, Day was good. Good. Kids are good. Kids are safe and happy and quiet, so I'm good too. Hey, that is the best, especially that last one. <laughs> well, I, I know, especially the safe one, I should say. That's that's a little bit more important than quiet. Yeah, but safe is quiet good. quiet is nice as parents. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, well, um, so Dan, tell us a little bit about um, where you're based, uh, what you do, what you photograph, a little bit about your podcast as well. Thank you. Uh, I'm a Philadelphia, Pennsylvania-based wedding photographer. been uh, photographing professionally for like 16 or 17 years. And I think going into my 13th season for myself, Danny Moyer photography, um, I have a, a podcast called the focus photographers podcast. It's, uh, basically a extension of my one-to-one, uh, photography coaching business. Um, and just a way to kind of get people into my world and, and the kind of things I talk about, like empathy first business and, uh, and supportive photographers and like all that kind of stuff. 
Nice. Yeah, I really enjoy your podcast. Um, I don't remember how I found out about you. It may have been when you were on the Boca podcast um, mm. or it could have just been Spotify being like, hey, you listen to these other <laughs> photography related podcasts. You should listen to dance. Yeah. Um, and I really like it. I like how you Thank like you. have the um, categories or uh, that's probably not the right yeah, like a monthly topic. But yes. Yeah. Monthly topic and then like different uh different uh segments of that topic yeah it's almost Um, like uh, a mini mini deep dive onto like each topic it makes it like a whole lot more nightmare on like the the planning side because i have to like Uh fill a month before i put it out there right but i really like the idea of like having this topic for a month and then getting getting multiple perspectives and and kind of like a deep dive on a topic like right away at in like a a sequence you know just gets you really thinking about something yeah yeah and kind of like gets you coming back for the next week it's like okay yeah i remember this from last time i took notes and now we can go even deeper and yep. the next steps um as a host that does sound like i'm like that is, sounds really cool <laughs> but that is a ton of planning and all that a lot. and i'm not i'm not much for for extensive <laughs> planning <laughs> yeah man sometimes it's, whenever it's i do tricky. like my solo shows i'm like all right. Uh, what am I talking about know. today? Let me let me write down a quick outline <laughs> and then I'll just jump on here. <laughs> I need yeah, dude. something for this Monday. Yeah, but, right there with uh, you. Yeah. So okay. So you've been you've been uh, doing photography for quite a while. Did you start off as a wedding photographer or do you shift in different genres? Uh, long story short, I was actually uh, I got out of high school and uh, went to work for this guy in my my town while I was in college. And I did everything from like sports team and individual, like the little kids, like holding the baseball bats in front of the backdrop yep. and like team and all that stuff uh, to sports action for a bunch of different colleges and things like that. And then, uh, when I got out of school, the economy bubble burst and we went from basically six employees down to just me and him, like in his house. And, uh, uh, he like came to me one day and was just like, there's just not enough, not enough work for the two of us. So, um, I went back to school and while I was back at school, uh, I went back for my like teaching certificate cause I thought I was gonna be an art teacher. And sure enough, uh, uh, while I was back there, like three or four people from my past said, hey, we, we know you're not working for that studio anymore. Do you want to photograph our wedding? And then January 1st, 2010 was when I opened the business of Daniel Moore Photography and full time ever since. Nice. Wow, that is that's cool. I like that uh, that you had that like right out of high school, that kind of job. That was always something that I thought would be really cool. But I, I also did not pursue that at all as you know, getting out of high school because I was like, I have I had a job since I was like 15, 16. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to keep this one. It's cool. Whatever. Um, yeah. It but, was very helpful, yeah. like like to see like an actual business be run and be an employee in it that was given a lot of responsibility and answering phones yeah. and emails and re- retouching and shooting and doing all the things. And then, and then taking all that knowledge into my actual business now, years later. Yeah, yeah, man, that would have been super helpful. Very helpful. <laughs> yeah, that, That's really cool. And like, that's kind of like what you're doing with your podcast as well. Being able to, to share those, uh, you know, your years and years of experience with others. So they don't have to just like, go out there, you know, pulling up by their bootstraps, trying to figure out how to do all these things, especially the business side. I feel like a lot of us creatives are like, oh yeah, I can do this. I can see light. I can, you know, figure out the photography side. And then the (laughs) business is like, 
I don't know what to do with taxes. Like as we're recording yeah. this, like tax day is a couple weeks away. And, yeah. Uh, Real yeah, talk there's, now. There's a, a, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, which we do not have to talk about taxes, but nope. we're going to be talking about money, which is very, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very in the same, same area. Before we jump into toxic relationships with money. Um, I, I love asking this question just, uh, like over your years in business, um, or even some of those years, uh, you know, working, uh, at, at that studio, has there been, um, a piece of advice or a lesson that you've learned that really just changed your outlook on business or, uh, photography in general? Um, yeah. Uh, so, okay. So, so since there is, I, I feel like, I feel like this is tricky because I want to say like one thing, but I feel like that maybe there's like one or two things for like, like two or three of the areas of my life that are like, mm -hmm. like life and business and photography. Um, since we're here, let me just say like one little tidbit about finance. And that is from a book uh, called a simple path to wealth by JL Collins. Um, and this probably was like the most succinct way of like learning how to manage my money and my finances. And he says, this is like the whole book summed up. It's spend less than you earn, invest the rest, avoid debt. That's it. Right. So for finance, that's kind of like my go to um, for for relationships and for weddings. I run my business and and actually our marriage kind of on this same uh, idea that um, being like a student of of your significant other or a student of your couples, like mm -hmm. doesn't matter how much I think I know about my wife or, or any of the couples that I uh, that I photograph. Um, I'm still approaching them like like a student trying to learn something new every single day. Um, and, right. and maybe like life on a grand scheme of things, uh, last tidbit that like kind of keeps popping up. There's something that continues to influence me is that nobody's coming to do it for me. And it's just me, yeah. like me hustling, my ability to go out there, kill it, drag it home is, is my only like, uh, job security in the way I'm going to get stuff done. Oh yeah. Yeah. Especially as an entrepreneur, that was a big thing. Leaving my nine to five job. I was like, I am in charge of all of this now. Like, yeah, if, if I'm going to have <laughs> food <me. laughs> on the table for my family, um, I've got to go find that work. I've got to bring it in. I can't just sit here and be like, well, it'll show up. You know, hopefully I've had people be like, hey, I found you on Instagram and uh, I can't just rely on that. Uh, yeah. Which which is the scary thing um, until, you know, well, even even once you kind of figure it out, it's still like, ooh, OK. Like June yeah. is coming up. It's a Thir light month. I got a 13 years out. in. I'm still like, uh, can I, am I really doing this? Like, can I still do this? Am I still like, <laughs> can I still make money and pay off my mortgage and stuff? <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, awesome. I love those. I love those little, uh, little tidbits there. Nuggets. Um, yeah. Little, little truth nuggets. Um, so, okay. Getting into toxic relationships with money. Mm. What are some toxic relationships with money? Like, what does that look like? Uh, so I think it's going to look a little different for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. mine was, mine came from like growing up and seeing, so mine was like experience based, right? Like, like evidential, evidential things that like I saw in my life that formed this like not good picture. And that was like, um, like I remember maybe in like middle school, I think is what it was. There was like this perfect family. I went to a Catholic school, perfect family who was like already great. And they won like $32 million, took the, took the money right away. Got like 16 million or something like that. And within like several years, it ripped their family apart. So I was like, whoa, okay. Like, you know, they were already like great and perfect. Their family was awesome. Yeah. 
and it rips their family apart. And then I remember um, like, like seeing these like fancy cars, right? Like, and this is my, my young naivete saying like, okay, who are the people that drive like jerks? Mercedes, Audi, BMW, all these like fancy cars weaving in and out, cutting my dad off as I'm sitting in the back seat. It's like, you know, whatever. But like seeing that, it's like, okay, well, money changes people. And then, you know, I came from a pretty like normal blue collar family. My dad was a produce manager and then he like sold siding at night. Um, and my mom was a Mary Kay lady and was a bank teller and they like worked multiple jobs and hustled. And it's like, okay, well like they're working their butts off, but we're obviously mm -hmm. not like rich or like raking it in. So like, okay, my parents worked their butts off. Money's not available to them, so it's probably not going to be available to me. And uh, I just formed this. Uh, it's like money avoidance is one of the things where um, I like I just wanted nothing, nothing to do with it. Right. Like that that was pretty much the big thing that um, if, if I'm talking about me, it was money avoidance. Like I wanted nothing to do with it. But I think other people might fall into some like uh, like traps of like money worship where like maybe they're saying like, uh, my happiness is, is based on money or like, I need mm. all this money to make me happy. Um, and then there's also, uh, maybe status, right? Like, like your net worth equals your self-worth. And if you don't have any money, if you have like a small income or a small amount of money, um, that's that, then you are feel bad about yourself or you feel like you're less than, um, and I definitely come from the money avoidance side of things where it was just not, not a good situation. Uh, as I got older and as I started to get money in my own business, like what, like it would come it, as it would come in, uh, I would just go right back out. Um, I thought that yeah. credit cards were my, my way to the good life. And I would just put money on cards and I would spend money that I didn't have. Um, and I would just, uh, not hold on to it. I just avoided it at all costs. It was just unimportant to me. It's not hmm. good. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so it sounds like a, like a lot of that is kind of rooted in upbringing, childhood, and all that. Are does that tend to be the same for for most people? Just like the way that you grow up? Because I know, like, looking at my uh, toxic relationship with money. It's also from, uh, from childhood where, yep. you know, we were, we were definitely blue collar, pretty poor. You know, there were, there were times that, uh, you know, we'd have like peanut butter crackers for dinner yeah. because that's all that we had. Yep. And, um, and growing up, I, I saw money in like a couple different ways. Mm. One was I want it all. I want yeah. all of the money yeah. so that, I'm not going to be poor again. My, my kids aren't going to grow up. You know, we're always going to have food. We're always, you know, I, I don't have to worry about that. I wanted not to live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And, uh, but then on like the flip side of that, um, the, the other part was I have money, like I'm going to go spend it. I've yeah. got, I've got four figures in the bank account right now. Awesome. And like, I remember the first time that I hit like four figures in my account because yep. I I worked as a janitor from like, I don't know, probably too, well, definitely too young, um, <laughs> to, to legally do it, um, yeah. until like, I don't know, 20 <laughs> or so. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it, I made like, hmm. I don't know, $300 a, a week, maybe, uh, on good weeks. But, um, but it was like part of, part of the way that I saw it was that I want to like, 
shield and like keep all of this like hoard the money but then yeah. once it got to a certain point i'm like oh no i feel good i'm gonna go ahead and spend all this stuff and then i yeah. would spend everything or just like get a credit card like you said and then i'm like oh well now i i don't have all of that anymore dude i, I worked at a gas station uh before like during high school Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember like having a bad day and getting like a big paycheck of like $125, right? Cause I was making like six, six fifteen an hour part-time I'd work after school, whatever. And yeah. I remember having like a bad week or something and taking my paycheck. And I went to, uh, I think it was Ritz camera or something like in the Lehigh Valley and I would blow it on like a piece of camera equipment. Like I got a, uh, I had a film camera at the time it was my dad's camera. And I, I remember going there and blowing it on like a zoom lens. Like that's the kind of stuff I did. Like I just didn't want to hang out with it. I didn't want to do anything with it. And, um, I, that was, that was like mid high school. I didn't know what I was doing. I don't think anybody knows what they're doing. Uh, do you know, no. do you know who Anami Tonkin is? Um, she no. is another podcaster, uh, okay. has a, uh, her coaching platform, I think her podcast is called This Can't Be That Hard. Super okay. awesome. Um, uh, I had her on my podcast a little bit ago when we were talking about money. And she put like a a call out to her uh, her community and said, hey, like, give me a word or two that you talk about. Or that like when I say money, what comes to mind? And overwhelming responses were, um, it's tricky. It's difficult. It makes me sad. It makes me nervous, anxious. I think a lot of people are just in it. Uh, or, or just have this same feeling because it's so like wealth is not something that we, we typically see. We see riches and fancy cars and money flying everywhere and all this stuff, but you don't see wealth because wealth is, is hidden. And I think people want to get rich, but they don't quite know how to stay rich or stay wealthy. Um, and mm. I love this book uh, called the psychology of money where, uh, by Morgan Housel, And he says like some like getting rich is one thing, but then staying rich is this combination of of frugality and paranoia that it's going to go away at any point. And I love what you just said before about like you like have this thing where you're like, okay, like I'm going to hoard it, like I'm going to hold it. And and then there's the overcoming the part of, okay, I've got all this now. Now I want to spend it. Right. And I think Uh that's the part that that we really that needs to be looked at and, and realize like that money that's sitting in your account is earmarked or tagged for something. Um, and whether that's something is just saving for the future or it's taxes or it's a new, uh, roof or whatever that, that money that you have sitting in that big pot doesn't need to just be spent. And that was a hard thing for me was breaking that. Yeah. Yeah. And like you were, uh, the way that you were saying, like ha- having that earmarked for different things, that was one thing that really helped me, especially, you know, starting a business where at times I would have five hundred dollars in my account. Other times I'd have twenty thousand dollars in there. And that was like that was a huge yeah. number for for someone who like my parents uh, didn't even make twenty thousand dollars in a year uh, for yep. for a lot of my childhood. And and seeing that big number and being like. I can go buy this new camera. I can go buy this new lens. I can, you know, spend thousands of dollars to go to this conference and like workshops and all these things. But, uh, but then once I like earmarked, okay, well, well, this amount has to go into savings for taxes. And this amount is my, you know, my overhead costs for all the software and everything. And once I earmarked all that out, I was like, oh, I don't really have <laughs> that much all money, that much left. Like if <laughs> I had right. gone and like spent all this, I would be, you know, upside down. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that was uh, something that helped me a lot 
understanding money and feeling more comfortable with more yeah. um, was having it kind of parceled off into different pots yep. and not just one giant checking account that I can be like, well, this $5,000 camera isn't going to hit too hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. when that's like all of the profit that I have. Yeah. Um, hey, y'all, quick break to talk to you about one of the tools that has completely changed my business for the better, and that is my CRM, Tave. Tave is the most customizable studio management system for photographers. They have everything under one roof um, from embedded contact forms that auto generate into new leads to income reports, lead source reports, profit and loss statements, very detailed revenue breakdowns, anything that you want to keep up with your numbers. They've got reports for it. They have built in contract templates, questionnaires for your clients, easy invoicing, and quotes. It is so much. Um, they also like my favorite part, they have these auto populated tokens. So in emails, you can put clients first name or ceremony address, or even specifics down to like maid of honors, Instagram handle, and it'll auto populate it. So you don't have to figure out which spelling of Caitlin is correct for this bride. So go to lightdarkco.com slash Tave, and that's T-A-V-E, to double your 30-day trial to make it a 60-day trial. And you'd think maybe Tave is like 60 bucks a month or something from all those customizations. No, you can pay as little as 22 bucks a month, which is a lot less than a lot of other CRMs that I've used in the past that didn't do half of this stuff. So again, lightdarkco.com slash Tave, T-A-V-E. Check out Tave and let the power of customization grow your business. Like how how did a lot of those toxic relationships with money begin? Like where do those come from? Um, for for me, it, it like came a lot from, from like childhood, right. From that experience of, uh, of just not having it and seeing other people have it. And it also was like, uh, some family, um, experiences. And I think that's what most people like, it just gets downloaded onto, mm -hmm. you know, like I've actually never read the book and I feel like I should, but I think there's a, a book called rich dad, poor dad. Um, yeah. It talks about like the fundamental ways that like parents teach their kids about money. My mom was a banker. Um, I shouldn't say banker. She was a teller. And then now she works with uh, creditors and, and like teaching people how to budget and all that stuff. But like, it's interesting how she never really like, I don't know how my, my parents took all the, like the, the little money that they had and made it spread so far. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, like, I'm just amazed that like, even though they had, my mom has this budgeting background and they stretched their money so far that I still had this ickiness inside of me about money and, and just a not great relationship with it. And I think that's where most people's comes from is either they're told nothing about it. Um, or they're, they're told like, uh, that you can have all of it and they get tons of it. And then that gives them another, uh, complex where they have too much of it and they, they rely too much on their parents for it. Um, or there's like a middle ground where they just see it, uh, from, 
from what their family tells them and what their uh, their significant other's family tells them and and all this stuff or what their friends tell them. Their friends, parents have fancy cars or, or houses or whatever. And it's just slowly downloaded uh, onto our little pristine hard drives as we get, you know, younger. And as we get older, it just it, you just form these like negative opinions um, based on experiences, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like a lot of that has to do with like the tangible, like material things and viewing others. Cause I remember growing up, if you had a staircase in your house, you were beyond rich. Like, I was wow. Like, yeah. Like, cause, cause the only people that I knew who had two story houses, I mean, we, I, I grew up in Texas, so like, we don't, we don't have basements. We don't often have two story houses. Like a lot of more ranch style houses are all spread out on one yeah. story. But the friends that I did have that had two stories or that had, you know, fancier cars or like a sleek looking car. It didn't yeah. even have to be fancy, just like not with rust spots on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was just like, wow, y'all must be like rolling in the money to be able to afford this. This is crazy. Dude. Um uh, yeah. I, um, sorry to interject. I was just, you, you said yeah, like yeah. rusty car and I remember <laughs> like my dad and I, maybe I was like eight or something driving to the local mall, right? Nobody, we didn't have cell phones at this point. There was no, like, like, I don't know, you had yeah. landlines and like the, the newspaper and my yeah. dad and I going to the mall, my mom dropped us off, I think. And we bought a car from a guy in the mall for a thousand bucks. It was this tiny little red Pontiac Le Mans. Um, and like, I remember the guy like taking his subwoofer out and like the amplifier that was in the trunk and like taking uh -huh. those out. And then we like drove the car away and we had that car for forever, but we never had new cars. They were always beaters. Everyone had like yeah. a funny nicknamed sparks and uh and casper and like all these ridiculous names but yeah they were always like oh, yeah. beat up old tugboat uh of a car yeah 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 always always something that like every weekend your dad's out there just like working under the hood like you gotta keep this guy running you know <laughs> figure yeah. out what else is wrong with it yeah i'm i'm really curious about your um how you said like because I think about this, like I like my experiences are so relative to me, right? Like they still like I still had trauma around money, but like that's oh, a yeah. totally different way of approaching money that like, wow, you have a staircase in your home. You must be rolling in it. Um, yeah. And what other people from other parts of the country or other um, uh, other countries in general, what they must like how, how their experiences, like those little things that that make us think and feel about money um like what how they see it it's just really i never thought about it that way interesting yeah yeah and like i'm you're talking about that i'm i'm starting to think of like like my kids what i mean our oldest is seven probably not thinking about this just yet but yeah. um but like what are his views of money going to be growing up like once he gets into high school and everything is it going to be because i remember like uh, we didn't have uh video game systems until i was uh no probably like 12 or so yeah yep um and then we like my parents splurged and bought us a nintendo 64 and i was like this is amazing <laughs> yes! i can play mario kart this is awesome <laughs> yeah um but i remember like friends who had uh a playstation or uh you know a dreamcast or something like that and i was just like how do y'all have such extra money to buy these things mm -hmm. and <clears throat> 
and my kids like we we have a playstation we have um you know not not just the original we have like a four now um, <laughs> right but, but like we have games we have like netflix and disney plus and like all these things all yep. like at their fingertips we have wi-fi all the time we didn't have that growing up like that wasn't a thing so mm-hmm. i'm like curious what are the things that they're going to look at and see as like oh you have wealth if you have you know uh wi-fi at home but i, I feel right. like just about everyone has wi-fi now but in like the late 90s early mm-hmm. 2000s if you had a home computer like you were doing well yeah uh yeah and, yeah we had like it's, a- it's interesting yeah, we had like a white Dell or like a gateway, I think is what it was. And I remember getting oh, that yeah. and um, and that was huge. We got that in like when I was in like high school, like my older sister, I think, was already in college when we got our first home computer. And yeah. um, is gateway the yeah. one with like the the cowhide logo or something? Yep. I yeah, remember yeah. that. Yeah. 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 OK, <laughs> it's weird, man. It's just weird. The stuff that we get, like I often wonder same thing, like what my kids are going to see and and like even though we try to um live very frugally and all that stuff you know there there's still plenty of uh pleasantries that we have that like like the Netflix and and Disney Plus and they can you know turn on the TV and a big TV out there and all that stuff um mm-hmm. I don't know it's just a balance man I guess I don't know yeah don't know what's going to happen with those yeah. kids <laughs> right yeah and and like you know also at the same time trying to figure out how we can uh, lead them in a good way to have a healthy relationship with money instead of growing up to want to be a hoarder or growing up to want to repel money and just, you know, buy all the things. So you don't have anything in your account and, and all that, you know, we, we've talked a lot about, about toxic relationships, but what is, what is like a healthy relationship with money look like? Um, uh, so I think, that I think it's going to look different for everybody. Um, I think part of it is going to be some part of like that, that um, thing where you're able to, well, for me, I think my, my healthy money mindset would be um, knowing when I do have money that I don't need to spend it. Right. That was my like Mm -hmm. shift uh, that I could say like, okay, I can, I can just, hold on to this money. Um, and this money allows me to do what I want, when I want, wherever I want with who, you know, with my family, whatever, right. It, it allows me some freedom. And I love this. Um, I think it's uh, Tim Ferriss in the four hour work week. He talks about how, how like the new rich is, is being able to kind of be free and, and do what you want that the new rich doesn't really actually have to do with money at all. It has to do with more time. And I think, yeah. Um, I think maybe if I can put like a, a succinct, uh, a kind of bunch of actions on it. And I think maybe I wrote some of these things down before, um, because I knew I would just go off on a tangent. Um, but I think it's, it would be setting values and spending money based on those values, um, having no or very low debt, um, being able to save money to reach goals, uh, having a safety net, um, and like some kind of emergency fund or insurance. I think if those are the actions that those would be the things, uh, but for me and I think other people, I think you'd have to just look at like what, 
like, what would do you want to feel when I say money? What do you want to feel? And I think most people say like, I just want to feel comfortable and confident. Um, in, in like looking at my finances, I feel like that was what, like the, the foundation of a healthy relationship with money would be is, is when I say money or finances, you're not saying, Ooh, how am I going to, uh, get, make, pay my credit card bill? Or how am I going to, you know, pay for my kids next lesson. Right. I think it's, it's comfort and confidence, um, is what, uh, is when you, when you say money that it automatically, um, evokes feelings of comfort, confidence that you, uh, know what you're doing. I think that means saving, spending only on values and, and things like that. Does that answer your question? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. And and I think like for me, that's definitely what I want to feel when I think of money. Mm -hmm. Um, right now, this stage of our life, it's more stress when I think about money. Um, because it is, you know, the, the world's changed so much in the last two years and, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, weddings look different and, uh, and, and everything is just kind of shifted around from what the normal used to be. Yeah. And, and every like month to month, it all looks different. And then, you know, I, I would love to, whenever I think about money, feel that comfort and like security yeah. of, um, I don't have to worry about like, okay, I need to book another job in order to pay for, uh, the new tires that we need because our car's right. inspection is coming up right. and we need to do that or we're going to be driving illegally. It's real and, talk. And yeah. Or like our kids dental work and that kind of stuff from, you know, not being, uh, totally, uh, focused on brushing teeth for a little bit there and getting cavities and um and that kind of kind of thing where it's like you think of money it's like okay well now i have this list of all of these things and it's just getting bigger and bigger and that weight of a feeling on there um i i like those those steps and could you repeat those again just for anyone you know taking notes and everything uh to to get all the or not necessarily steps um but uh those aspects of a healthy relationship with money yeah um the ones that i wrote down uh were mm-hmm. spending money based on your values right um okay. a having a low or no debt or maybe i guess uh reasonable debt might be a mortgage or something like that, right? Like Warren Buffett famously holds a mortgage because he knows he can make more money on his investments in the market versus like a 3% um, loan on, on a mortgage payment. Like smart debt or using your debt to, to grow more money instead of like, I'm going to get another credit card because we've already maxed out these three. Correct. Yeah. Let me shift this balance over to this 0% card. Although I have done Mm. that and, and I got hyper aware um, and I have to give a little backstory then after I finish this, because you're talking about like kids and stuff that was like the catalyst for change. Um, uh, so, uh, having low or, or no debt, uh, saving money to meet your goals and having a safety net, um, and, an emergency fund or, or something like that. So savings for, for what you want, if you're out of work or something like that. Um, yeah. but you talked about like, you know, your kids and, and the things that you want to um, that you need to do for them. Like, you know, you're worried like, oh, I need to book another job because I need to buy tires or whatever. And there was a, a come to Jesus moment, we'll call it, where in 2016, uh, we found out we were pregnant and we we're trying. So like very much planned. And I remember having uh, a, a conversation with my accountant. And I'm not an accountant, so like anybody out there, like don't come to me for tax advice. I'm more interested <laughs> in the psychological aspect of 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 money. Um, uh-huh. I remember 
driving across the bridge out, out of Philadelphia, um, uh, I'll call the Ben Franklin bridge and talking to my accountant. My account was like, you had an awesome year this year. You made so much money. It's good. And I was like, yeah, sweet. And I hung up the phone. And I was like, where is it? Right. Like, okay, where's, where's yeah. this money at? Like I got a baby on the way, right? Like, how are we going to go on vacations? How am I going to pay my mortgage and looking at my account and being like, I've got nothing to show for this great year that I had. Right. And, um, uh, at that time, my uh, PayPal account was hooked up to my uh, Starbucks gold card, my Perks Star- Starbucks gold card. Okay. Uh-huh. And so I remember being like, okay, well, I know I like drink a lot of coffee out, right? Like I forget where somebody, I don't know why that came into my mind, but I was like, I drink a lot of coffee. What how much money I spent on Starbucks this year? And so I just happened to open like the Starbucks app and I'm just looking, it's like 25, 25, 50, 50, 25, 50, 100, 100, 25, me like reloading the card. Yeah. And the, I can say this now because it was a, it was the catalyst for change, but the shame that washed over me where here I am with like a mountain of debt. We had uh, a well over a hundred thousand dollars in personal debt, not including uh, our home. And I'm just like, what in the world am I doing? Baby coming mortgage debt, like something's got to change. And that was the real catalyst for me saying, okay, it's time to really look closely and hard at what I'm doing, where my money's going, um, and make true change. And I think everybody needs that like real catalyst where, where they say, okay, what I'm feeling right now is more uncomfortable than, uh, like the hurt that I'm going to experience to overcome this like change of just being comfortable and not doing anything. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. 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 Uh, that, uh, that come to Jesus moment for me was looking at our food budget. Mm. Um, I was like, I, I used to be super budgeter. I had an Excel spreadsheet of all the things <laughs> nice. and I like, and I needed that because my, my paychecks were not enough to where, um, I could pay rent out of one paycheck or even out of two. So I had to like save money during certain parts of the month so that I could add it to the paychecks that are coming later to pay yep. for rent. And, uh, so I needed that Excel spreadsheet and my wife also had the same sort of deal where she had a very extensive budget. So whenever we met and we were like, okay, we're, we're engaged. We're going to get married. We should probably talk about budgeting. And we yep. like laid out these, <laughs> these budgets. In heaven. Like, okay, cool. I think this is going to work. I knew and, there's a reason um, why I was marrying you. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what attracted me to you. <laughs> Your money mindfulness. And, um, and, and I remember like we had, um, I mean, we still have a mint account um, yeah, yeah. that like, categorizes all of your expenses and income, um, which is very helpful. Um, and we've kind of recently started looking at that again to be more mindful of our budget. But I remember, um, we, before kids, we were just, we had plenty of money and we were paying off debt. We were meeting all of the, the bills that were coming in and we had excess. So we weren't necessarily looking at the bank account being like, Oh, can we go out to eat tonight? We were just like, I don't feel like cooking. Let's go out to eat yeah. or let's go grab lunch at, you know, this, this place. Um, and I used to do that at my nine to five and just walk to, uh, you know, some, uh, some fast food place and have lunch. And, uh, and then it was, uh, I think whenever, when we uh, found out we were pregnant with our oldest, we were like, okay, well, you know, maternity leave, we got to figure this out, look at yeah. our budget. And we were spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars a week on food 
not just like groceries, but also eating out. Eating out. Yeah. And eating out adds up so quickly because even if it's just like, you know, a little, little five, six dollar meal for lunch, I was doing that every single day um, at work. And that's, you know, 30, 40 bucks a week, uh, which adds up. Um, a lot. But I, I remember uh, looking at that and we were trying to figure out how we could cut back and we tried to cook at home and uh, and HelloFresh has really helped us. Not mm. an ad, by the way. This kind of sounds like I'm going into an ad. This is not an ad for HelloFresh. <laughs> they do not sponsor the show. Um, but this has been something that really helped us where uh, we're terrible at uh, food planning. Yeah, we we used to sit down on Sundays and be like, OK, we'll do this and we'll do that and we'll buy all the groceries. And then they would sit there and rot because we how do you use them good at, at managing our time and yeah. you know, cooking and like, Oh, this is so, so hard after a long day of work. Um, but having that, like we have three meals a week that we know are going to be pretty quick, 20 to 30 minutes. All the stuff is like pre-chopped and ready for us. It's, it's an easy thing. And that like cut our, um, our food spending in half, even wow. though it seemed like it was going to be, you know, uh, and a big expense bringing that yeah. in, but we weren't buying as many groceries. The ones that we were, we were cooking and eating. We weren't going out to eat as much because we were picking meals that were like different than just spaghetti and homemade pizza <laughs> like the things right. that we knew how to make and like yeah we're having like korean beef bulgogi bowls i'm like i have no idea what this is it tastes delicious <laughs> there's no way i could have made this by myself um, but like that was awesome. that was something for us that like shifted um hmm. that budget where we were we looked at our budget and we saw the places that we were overspending yeah um, and didn't didn't have control over um like uh, like coffee. I love coffee and mm-hmm. it is, uh, I have to actively tell myself I don't need to go <laughs> to the coffee shop every day to get coffee. Yep. Like I know it's like a special coffee. I, I don't have an espresso. I probably need to just buy a, a, an espresso machine and have it at home. Cause I love espresso mocha pot. over. Yeah. Yeah. Something. <laughs> oh dude, get a mocha uh, pot. That's what's a up. Pot? It's a little stove top. Like, yeah. Okay. M O K A. Yep. Mocha pot. Um, it's like, uh, you'll see it. Just Google it. Mocha pot. If you love espresso, um, you can make like really strong coffee at home with using this little Mm. thing. It is spectacular. You'll see it's a stovetop espresso maker. It's like maybe 20, 30 bucks done. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. I'm going to go buy a mocha pot later today. (laughs) (laughs) Got you, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah. Okay. So, um, like with with all that, you know, with uh, those those aspects that you were talking about with uh, having a a healthy relationship with money, what are some steps like some good first steps for the listeners who are like they they've identified? Yeah, I, I see this toxic relationship. How can I get out of it? What are some steps that they can take in order to uh, to shift that into a healthy relationship? Yeah, let's um, there's like the actual doing stuff with money part. But I think there's one step before that, which is like dealing with the mindset of like, okay, I I see this this not great mindset that I'm engaging in or whatever this toxic behavior is or whatever. And I think um, 
dealing with that is the first step. And I love, uh, I think it was Jen Sincero's book called like, you are a badass, something, 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 uh, oh, yeah. badass yeah. at making money. No, not that one. It's the one before oh, okay. that. Actually, I haven't read the making money one. I want to read that okay. one though. Um, but it's yeah, the yeah. like how to live like a, a healthier, more happy, awesome life or something like that. It's a yellow okay. cover. And in that book, she talks about how like, there's these like underlying things in your life that, that like, there's just stuff like underneath the hood. Right. And she uh, like that you're, that you're dealing with and, and we shy away from it. We try to mask it up or we try to cover it. She talks about it as like, mm-hmm. like a smell on your front porch. So like there's a front porch, uh, to your house and they like go out there and there's just like a stinky smell. So like you can go out there, you install a ceiling fan, a ceiling fan, right. And like put that up there and hope that that like makes it smell better. Doesn't yeah. you could like paint thinking like maybe that's part of you paint it or whatever, put a new coat on it, fancy it up, put some new furniture out there. Maybe it's the old furniture, but until you realize that it's a dead rotting carcass that has crawled underneath your this is a terrible visual i'm sorry everybody uh, <laughs> like this rotting carcass that's underneath your porch and if you have to get in there and take it out mm. and look at it and re- get rid of it this is the only way that you can you can actually overcome it and for me i think for a lot of people that's looking at the thing that you were dealing with and uh, adjusting your perspective on it, right? So you you can literally write it down if you need to, um, where I said, okay, like the biggest thing was, okay, money changes people. I don't want to deal with that. Well, I rephrase, uh, uh, I um, rephrased that and basically said, well, money changes other people, but doesn't have to change me, right? I can be the person who uses money as a tool to get where I want to go with li- in life to provide more f- freedom for my time with my family and all that stuff. Right. So it's just a matter of like, literally, if you want to write the things down, it's like, all right, when I say money, I want to write down this, this is a feeling I have and just rewrite them as a positive. And I think that is like ground zero of dealing with your money mindset or like this not great toxic money mindset that you have is, uh, refocusing or, or uh, uh, adjusting your perspective to make it a positive. Um, oh, the yeah. next step I would say is, if you don't have an organizational system for money, you got to have one, especially if you're an entrepreneur. Um, budgeting for like your home expenses and all that stuff is one thing, but budgeting for your business, I think is totally different. Um, my my mom oh, was a big fan of the envelope system, which is basically like profit first. If you right. haven't read profit first, that is your first go-to. Like it, it's, a, a, it's a necessity. Yeah. Great book. Um, and it's basically just creating like a... Uh, an envelope or a bank account that whenever money comes into your business, uh, you are moving money from one account to these other accounts because that money, a percentage of the money that comes in is earmarked for very specific other things. Um, and, and getting hyper clear on that, reading that book. Um, so that way you can know exactly where everything, uh, every cent in your business goes is kind of the next step once you have all that. And I think the final step uh, if, unless we were to really dive into this is to, um, I call it a support level of, of finances where you have to know in your personal life, how much money you need to make per month in order to really live. And I'm talking Mm -hmm. like bare necessities, right? The absolutely lowest, like if a pandemic happens and you have no extra money, what is like the things you need to live, right? It's usually food, clothing or food, shelter. Um, and when I say food, it's not gross. It's only groceries, food, uh, shelter, uh, transportation, um, rent or mortgage. Uh, and I think like one or two other things I can't think off the top of my head. Um, but add those things up and, 
um, and come up with that number. What are the exact bills you have to pay, the rent, the utilities, that kind of stuff. Come up with that basic number and then go through. I, I do this still every year. I pick three random months from my previous year and usually a, a month kind of that it just happened. And I'll go through and I'll just literally open up our personal account and I'll write it out by hand. I put like utilities at the top. I'll put debt at the top and I'll just make these columns and just start writing the dollar figure down. $19.99, $222, $837 the mortgage, blah, 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 all these different things. And at the end, I tally up the total of everything we spent and the amount for each of those individual, um, each of those individual accounts. I like to do it by hand. You've talked about mint, there's true bill, all this stuff. I'm a big fan of just doing it by hand and how much over are you spending in your personal life over top of that, um, over top of that basic number last year? Um, we were at like $9,000 a month between all the debt reduction that we had. We had a a stupid amount of debt and we were hammering on it this year. Total. We're at $6,000. It just, because we've been hammering, um, or I should say last March compared to this March, we've just been Mm -hmm. hammering on debt and, um, and not buying out as much, buying out like once a week. Um, and it just comes to like really shining light on your numbers. Know that basic number, know how much you're actually spending, and then look for ways you can spend less. Um, how much more time do we have? Do we have two more minutes? What do yeah. you got? Oh yeah, we got we got plenty of time. We're good. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, the last part I think is this like support level that ties it all together. And I know when we're talking about dollar figures, uh, I have to see all this stuff written out. Um, so I feel like if if we're like really i'm gonna try to keep it not like okay five minus two plus seven like i'm gonna try to keep it away from that but if you have this like support level that you need you you know your business needs to generate i believe Mm -hmm. one of the the successes to how we paid off a bunch of debt how we have um managed to great grow this like uh, big safety net of like owner's comp account so i can pay myself regularly is by paying myself the exact same amount each month um so sometimes we have like a in a business we have like really awesome months where you have like thirty thousand dollars that comes in and all of a sudden you take say your profit allocation or your allocation for owner's comp of that $30,000 that comes into your business is 50%. You take $15,000 and you're like, sweet, moving that to my personal account. Boom. You move it over. Well, guess what happens when you move $15,000 to your personal account? Somehow it gets spent. What, what you yep. see is what gets spent, right? It's uh, what is it called? Parsons law or something like that, where it's like, um, whatever you see or like the work expands to uh, meet the time uh, or the, the acquire a uh, allotted time requirement. I don't know. That's not, a, that yes. doesn't matter. Um, uh, whatever you see, you end up spending. So, but what happens is if you start to just pull this like exact amount out of your account, you start to build up this buffer on the back end of your business so you can pay yourself naturally. So, um, I, I, without like running through the whole table I have laid out for this, like, you know, if one month you have like a really high amount and all of a sudden you have $15,000 that you're able to save in there, but you're only pulling out $4,000. That means the next month you have $11,000 in the account still. So you could make nothing for the next yeah. like two months and you have $11,000 that can cover you. But then the next month you actually make $6,000. So you have um, $17,000 in the account and you pull only 4,000 out. So now you have 
$13,000 in there, right? So if you only pull out this like very basic amount, plus, you know, some living comforts, um, you end up building up this massive buffer on the back end. Um, and what I would do is once I, that buffer would reach a certain amount of months that I was covered, I would take a huge chunk of it and throw it right on debt. Mm-hmm. And that was how, like, I mean, I don't know how many people have debt. I feel like most people do. I would, yeah. I would throw it on debt or I would put it in the stock market or something like that um, to start <clears throat> making my money work for me. So I had a buffer of myself being able to pay or my business being able to pay myself my my salary um, and a buffer for the future for my children and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, top level yeah. looking down. That's where I'd start. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that idea of paying yourself a salary. Because it is so easy, especially as, you know, a photographer and you're like, you have the heavy months that are super busy and you've got all this money coming in and then you have the light months, yep. um, you know, especially like, you know, you're, you're up, up North in Pennsylvania, you, you have snow. Yep. Uh, so there are, there are months you're probably not doing much. Um, nope. <laughs> and like I have, I have friends in like Northern Michigan that they're just like, yeah, like four months out of the year, we don't. photograph anything yeah um but if you're not paying yourself like that solid you know steady salary then it's it's really easy to spend during those high months where you're like we got all this extra money let's go let's go get this thing and you know we can we can buy those extra uh you know snow skis or whatever and then it comes time that you're not having the income coming in that you cannot pay yourself or you're paying yourself tiny uh, yep. and, and then uh, you don't have the money to pay that, uh, that baseline level that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, I had, um, even before I actually, you know, started running payroll through a payroll company, uh, I made it feel like we were, I had payroll and it was every, um, every, first and 15th of the month, I would move $2,000 from my business account to my personal account. Um, and we were living off of $8,000 and that like we adjusted everything to meet $8,000. My wife was bringing in about that much. Um, and, and I said, okay, well I'll move over 2000 and 2000. And that is how we live for several years. And when the pandemic happened, um, you know, and I was postponing all these weddings, uh, we financially didn't feel it as much, thankfully, because I had this buffer built up and I was able to keep, um, I mean, we clamped down a little bit and didn't spend as much. I was only, I was moving over less. Um, but I was still moving over that same amount. And now that instead of spending like $8,000 a month, now that we're only spending six, that other 2000 just getting invested. Um, so we can, I mean, like literally by putting money away now and just having money in the market, it's amazing how like years we're talking about that you can move retirement forward if you just live frugally and and start saving now that's a whole other conversation i think though (laughs) yeah like i've seen those those uh calculators that are just like if you put 80 dollars into a savings account every week you know you what it turns into like like four million dollars or something a stupid amount of money like 30 years and like that's ridiculous. Yeah, that is that's insane. So that's what we've been doing is uh trying to move over like we have we have that uh, like our investments um set up to automatically withdraw. Yep. So we are not making that choice of well, you know, we're a little bit tight this month. Let's go ahead and not invest. Yeah. Uh, and and we can we can spend this or we want to take that vacation, so let's pause this for a few months. But it's yeah. just it's coming out at the beginning of every month and yeah. if, uh, we don't have to look at it. If I think some people are probably like, I mean, 
there is not everybody has like access to all this stuff, but if you have a phone and you're able to, and you're like buying Starbucks and you're like, Oh, how much I wish I could invest. I wish I could save. Uh, I started saving money. Like my, my step one after reading like Dave Ramsey's total money makeover, um, was I would, I used to drive my daughter to daycare and then drive back home. And on the way home, almost every morning I would stop at Starbucks and Mm -hmm. I started every time I'd want to go in that thing, I would open this app called betterment. Um, and it's just like a, uh, a investment app, um, that, you know, I think works with Vanguard or something. And they, um, I would just put $5 in my retirement account. And that's what I would do, uh, because I didn't have the, uh, ability because I had so much debt. I didn't have the ability to actually, uh, create a, um, a recurring, uh, investment, but I would do that. Yeah. Like every time I, it was like my little, my little, um, stand against the flow of, of things, but uh-huh. yeah, that was it. That's how I started. Investing was just like that $5 here and there. Um, but, um, my, you know, one of the final thing that I'm thinking of on top of my head is like, we often can make our money stretch really far. Like if people don't know who Mr. Money Mustache is, uh, or, uh, Jacob Lund Fisker from early retirement extreme. Um, these are, you know, just bloggers who live off of like a, a super simple life. Like, um, what is his name? Um, uh, the guy from Mr. Money Mustache, he worked at like 21 years old. Um, I think he was making like $50,000 a year, retired at 31 and just lives like a super simple life. Like he lived, I think he retired with $600,000 in the bank and lives off of um, 4% of his investments, which is like $20,000 a year or $25,000 a year, I think. And he just lives a super simple life. Um, he His retirement is not, I'm going to do nothing now. His retirement is, well, I'm going to take this $25,000 and that's my base. And then I can do passion work and make up the other fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 and live a life that I want um, by doing passion work. And I think that's another yeah. interesting way. And then the guy from uh, Early Retirement Extreme, I think he lives off of $7,000 a year. And, uh, he, he like retired with $125,000 in the bank because 4% of that is like 6,000 or $7,000. So there's all these different ways to do it. We don't, we can be flexible if we just take a little time to look closely at our numbers and oh yeah shine light on them. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I think that's a great point that it, there's so many different ways to do that. Um, and it's going to look differently for everyone. I mean, it looks different for where you live to the different markets and all yep. that. Um, you know, I have a friend in, in DC and talking about finances, it's like, you know, three to four times more than what we need here yep. in, you know, a smaller town in Texas. Yep. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And, and one thing it came to my mind when you were talking about like the envelope system and having, um, things kind of, uh, parceled out there's an app called catch uh Mm. c-a-t-c-h like catching a ball yeah and uh it it's a it's a an app that you can hook up to your um your bank account to where you don't have to have like seven or eight different savings and checking accounts different banks and all that it just uh you can say you know uh you know nine percent of this needs to go to sales tax so i'm just you know it will uh, take any income that comes in and then spread it apart 
for the different percentages that you say. Interesting. Uh, this much needs to go toward savings. This needs to go toward debt. This needs to go toward new equipment um, and all those kinds of things. And it just it keeps track of everything in one account. So you don't have to monitor all the different accounts. Interesting. Um, which was getting crazy for me. So now it's like, <laughs> oh, I can just open an app and see how much do I actually have to go buy some new gear? Gotcha. Like, okay. I may have 15, $20,000 in there, but I actually have $1,500 allocated for new gear. So I'm not, I'm not going to get that right now. Right. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a really cool one. Um, uh, uh, past guest, uh, Joseph West introduced me to that. And, uh, and it's, it's a really great app. I just wrote uh, it down. That sounds really cool. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, okay, so cool. This has been a very informative uh, conversation. I like it. Uh, I am. I, I love talking about money, and I also hate talking about money. Yeah, man. Because <laughs> um, it makes it's like an awkward thing. It's it's uncomfortable. Um, but I love uh, understanding money more um, and kind of taking away the power that that money often has over me. That's um, big. And being like, okay, no, I understand you now. And you have less power. So now I can use you how I want to, um, which uh, which is how I can talk to money now uh, and not other people, because that would be uh, toxic. That would yeah. be a toxic relationship. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, OK, so cool. Before we wrap up our conversation, um, yep. there's uh, a part of the show that I like to uh, just talk about uh, what we're loving this week. So this could be anything from like a new movie or a TV show, a book. Um, could be you know anything in life that's just bringing you joy um what what are you loving this week um this week um over the last like maybe couple weeks i think i saw a instagram video where this guy was talking about like the two minute rule and this two minute rule is like okay he had like a client or something uh, or he heard of a guy who lost like 100 pounds and he started out by um, creating a habit of showing up. He's like, I, he, this guy went to the gym and he gave him a t himself a time limit where he would only go to the gym and spend five minutes at the gym. That's it. He would like literally set a timer, show up mm -hmm. five minutes, do like a little cardio for two, three minutes and then leave five minutes. That was it. But he got into the habit of showing up. And, um, right now I'm, I'm working on this same thing where, uh, I, I'm like, we got way off track with like, I used to be, uh, a little more athletic and I, um, uh, we got off eating and all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? I put myself a Spartan race on the calendar for the end of the year, but the diet was still off. So I was like, you know what? This week I'm just going to eat like the person that I want to be. Right. And I just like mm -hmm. set like a very small goal of like, this is this week. I just, these five days, I'm just going to eat like the person I want, just like protein meats, uh, or not meats, proteins, veggies, um, water and fruit. Like that's it. Keep it super simple. I'm just going to try that for a week and just dip my toe in it. Just this like, just show up, try this little thing and see how I feel and see if I can get that that ball rolling for like this is what I do I just want to eat like the person that I want to be so this like just showing up rule that's what I'm feeling this week I like it I like it because it's like it's uh it's it's tiny bites it's yep. not a big like I'm gonna go to the gym and I'm gonna stay there for an hour every day this week um because yeah. you can't go from from zero to a hundred like that um uh, at least most people can't. I yeah. cannot. I've tried. Sometimes the radical shift is like really helpful of just like, nope. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. creating that little habit, I, I think is help, more helpful for me right now. 
Yeah. yeah. And like with the timers that you were talking about, um, my wife and I do that in the evenings. Um, we have three kids. Our our youngest two are still toddlers. So there's toys all over the place. And, you know, they try and help pick up. But oftentimes it ends up getting dumped anyway. And uh, and we do like a 15 minute. Once the kids are down, we're going to tidy up for 15 minutes. Whatever we can do in that 15 yep. minutes is great. Whatever we don't do. Oh. that goes till tomorrow we're not going to worry about it we don't yep. have to like keep going because we will just keep going and then it's an hour and a half and then we're like okay well that was our evening and now you know yep. we don't have any time together because now we're tired but um but i like yeah, that, that little, a lot little bit of 15 minutes and you know we've kind of you've hinted on this you know different times uh during this conversation but having that time cap of I only have 10 more minutes left in this. <laughs> it it really causes you to focus and and not just like go around or like walk around picking up toys. But you're looking at TikToks with your other hand and getting distracted <laughs> with things. It's just yeah. Yeah, we, we usually like put on some music and then we have a timer and 15 minutes. Boom, done. Mm. And then we have our evening together. I love that, actually. Yeah. That is that's real yeah. talk because that's the way our lives are right now is cleaning up after yeah. twins and a five year old, two year old twins and a five year old. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is that's life. Yeah, man. <laughs> For sure. It's life. For sure. Yeah. Um, OK, well, cool. I, I like that. I like that. Uh, that idea. The uh, those those little um, little bits, the, the the baby steps, the tiny bites uh, get into to <laughs> tiny <your> bites. Goals. <laughs> Um, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. What am I loving this week? I okay. So I recently saw. I actually didn't get to finish the movie, um, but I liked it. The the like probably eighty percent of the movie that I got to see on a plane. Um, it's uh, a new ish uh, movie uh, called Nobody. Um, oh it stars, yeah, uh, Bob Od- yeah, Bob Odenkirk. Yep. And. Um, which I know him from like Bob and David and uh, you know, his, his like funny um, comedy roles and like uh, you know, writing for SNL and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, of course he's, you know, Saul and breaking bad and better call Saul. Um, but yeah, it was a very interesting movie. It like follows him and how uh, his house gets broken into and like they seal some stuff and he uh, like just kind of like lets them and it's not like, I'm not going to, you know, you could kill me. I'm not going to do anything. And um, I think the the like turning point for him is whenever he realizes that they stole his daughter's bracelet. Oh, and then it just like flips and he goes all like like uh, Liam Neeson taken type deal and just <laughs> yeah, like yeah. hunting these guys down um, to get this bracelet back. And uh, it's it's a really interesting show um, or movie and seeing Bob Odenkirk do like all of these like fighting sequences and very action packed things. I'm like, this is a different Bob, but I like this. It's interesting. Uh, it was good. It was a good like action movie um, without a bunch of. Uh, I don't know. It like it had a good, uh, good storyline, good plot to it, too, which not all action movies do. I forgot about that when I watched like a couple like random clicks or uh, clips of it and um, like I just pulled it up because it's something I want to see, but it's not one of the movies my wife would want to watch. Um, right. I'm putting that back on the top of my list. Thank you for that. Yeah. 
Yeah, do it. Yeah, it's a good one. And I'm I'm going to hopefully be able to watch the last, you know, 15 minutes or so that I didn't get because we arrived at the airport. Gotcha. But, um, yeah. OK, well, sweet. And I'll have like all the all the books, all the uh, podcasts and guests and all the things that we referenced in today's episode. I'll have that in the show notes for everyone. Um, if you were like, oh, wait, what was the thing? Uh, what was that one book about? Yeah, yeah. You know, poor dad, rich dad. Um, so uh, and also in the show notes, I will have all of these links that you're about to give us. Uh, Dan, <laughs> where can people uh, find you? Where can they follow along on social? Um, where can they find your podcast? All those things. Um, so you can. Uh, so my my personal business is Daniel Moyer Photo. Uh, that's I'm, I'm still a working photographer. It's still the vast of my income. Um, I do one to one business coaching. I have sort of a different approach to uh, business um, that if you listen to my podcast, which is uh, the focus photography podcast. And you can also follow my uh, coaching platform and things like that um, at Get Focus Photographers on Instagram. Um, and then I've got, if you're a brand new uh, ish photographer, if you've survived your first year, if you're a wedding photographer, uh, if you make under $100,000, your business generates under $100,000, um, I'm putting together a community. It's not my community. It's a learning community. Just go to secretphotoclub.com. Something a little different. Okay. You know, shake things Ooh. up a little bit. Yeah. I like secret, secret photo club. That sounds fun. <laughs> well, sweet. Well, cool. Yeah. I'll have links to all those in the show notes for everyone. Um, but yeah, definitely go, go follow Dan, uh, go listen to his podcast. I really enjoy it, um, as well. And the thanks, secret man. photo club sounds fun. Um, but yeah, well, Dan, thanks so much for, for being my guest today. It was great chatting with you. Yeah, man. Thank you for good questions and your vulnerability sharing about yourself and all that stuff too. Good, good chat. Yeah. I liked it. Thanks, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I think that we need to be more vulnerable with uh, with each other like going like a big thing for me is growing community mm -hmm. and and a lot of uh, being in community with each other is being vulnerable and being OK with sharing sides of your story and uh, and things that you're struggling with uh, that that could uh, could feel you know, scary, but Sticky. oftentimes whenever we start talking about it with others, we're like, oh, you're right here with me or you've already been through this and you can speak into what I'm going through. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I'm yeah. right there with you. I love I loved your vulnerability as well. <laughs> Thanks, today. brother. So right. <laughs> good times. Did one of those money mindsets stick out to you? Because uh, I know uh, I know I was I was able to uh, to recognize some in my own life. And I know those steps toward the end of the conversation um, are going to be so, so helpful. So I highly encourage you to write those down. You can, they're in the show notes. You can just copy, paste it into a note in your phone, something like that, where you can actually walk through those steps uh, to have a better relationship with money. Um, also, also, if you, if you listen to this and you're just like, man, I love that. I want to learn more about money mindset. You can go right now to Dan's podcast because he just wrapped up an entire month dedicated to this topic. Um, so if you want to go check out the Focus Photographers podcast, I highly encourage you to do that. I think that Dan has a great podcast over there. And as always, you can check out all the things in today's episode in the show notes at lightdarkco.com slash podcast slash 113. This episode was recorded in front of a live Facebook audience. You can join us for the next live episode by joining the Light and Dark Photography Podcast group on Facebook. 
This episode was edited by me, John Mansfield, and our theme song is by the talented John Isaac. All the ads in today's episode are affiliate partnerships, so you get a great deal while we get a little kickback. It's a great way to support this free podcast, and I really appreciate it. You can also follow the show on Instagram at lightdarkco. Dan is at Daniel Moyer Photo. And you can find me at All Heart Photo. Subscribe to the show. Leave us a review if you like it. I I love reading y'all's reviews. They're so great. The next I'm I'm, I'm gonna check uh, for this next episode. Read one on the air. Share with your friends. I would love to have them in this community as well. Until next week, I will see you in the Facebook group. Bye.